Hey, what's going on, listeners? It's your boy Herc in the building once again, and we're here with another episode of the Come On Man podcast. Episode one, season two. We we made it to season two, and I got a great special guest today with my boy KD. He is very, very. I mean, get the get the get the best traits out of him. Super loyal, loyal like crazy, hard working like you put anything in front of him, he's gonna knock it out with a sledgehammer like crazy, and freaking passionate about whatever he do and everything he does in life. My boy KD, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me. I, uh, this is actually something I've always kind of wanted to do, so this is super special for me. Yeah, appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Like I said before, um, I like to start off with guests with a banger question, and yours is, what is your definition of success? Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Mm-hmm. I'd say for me personally, success, the definition of success or, or what it means to be successful is to be able to wake up every single day and and know that I gave 100% in the previous day. Okay. Uh, leaving no stone unturned. Um, I think a lot of people go through life and they just kind of go through the motions and then they spend a lot of that time uh, – <laughs> complaining about the things that they didn't get to do or the things that they never got to experience. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that comes with not taking advantage of all the opportunities that are presented to them. Okay. And do you feel like you've been, you took, you know, you take advantage of all the opportunities that's been given to you or you've been working hard for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 26 years old. Uh, I have this house is, I mean, I couldn't ask for more. Um, I have a good job, a career, um, surrounded by good friends and family. Okay. Uh, and I pursue everything that I want to do uh, passionately. Okay. Yeah, um, man. That's yeah. That's seen that, man. I, I I feel like this is our first encounter with each other because I think we've seen each other at the gym, yeah. but I like I just we just not not heads and then we're like okay we're just gonna work out, but I think we never like stop in you know, talk and conversate and this is our first interaction. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, no, it's all good, listeners. We got uh, somebody coming to grass, but it's all good. Um, let's, let's, uh, let's get into, into the questions. So what, so what got you into law enforcement and what about the history? So I actually never wanted to be a police officer, never wanted to be in law enforcement. Uh, I come from an entire family, um, of law enforcement and military. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, I got to experience firsthand what that meant um, for a family lifestyle mm-hmm. uh, because my parents, uh, both my mom and dad, uh, police officers. Uh, my dad's retired now. He spent 20, 30, he spent 30 years in law enforcement. Oh, damn. Yeah. Is that your parents right there? Yeah, yeah. That's my mom and dad. Okay. Damn. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's just running the family. Yeah. And so my mom is still a police officer. She's working on year 19. Damn. So. Yeah, uh, man. Thank y'all for your service, for sure. Yeah. And and like I said, growing up, uh, they spent a lot of time. They worked nights. So they were asleep during the day, gone at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd say my sister and I had to grow up fairly quickly, but not in a bad way. I think it... Uh, it definitely set us up for success in the long run. Okay. Um, my parents had a lot of faith in us and, and a lot of trust in us growing up. Uh, uh-huh. 
and gave us a lot of, I feel like, a lot of responsibilities that most kids don't get Damn. growing up. Okay. Uh, but it was actually, it, it, you know, it was, it was tasking on my parents. I could see how difficult it was for them uh, to try and make, like, school functions and, mm-hmm. and family events and things like that because they they worked so much. and so Because of the line of duty and stuff? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so I told myself, I was like, ah, that's not what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to find something that, you know, is Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. I can be home once I finally have a family, be home with my family. And <clears throat> nope. Um, so Santa Fe High School shooting happened. Yeah, I heard about that. And I was working for my grandfather's plumbing company mm-hmm. in Manville, Texas. And I saw Pearland PD SWAT go by um, and then multiple other patrol cars go by, lights and sirens. And so I knew something was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just kind of this gut feeling like something big was happening. Um, I just obviously didn't know what it was at the time. Uh, and then come to find out both my parents were there. Uh, my mom was actually there when it started. Oh, uh, shit. She was dropping off her, <clears throat> excuse me, she was dropping off her uh, best friend's kids for school that morning at Santa Fe High School. And so when it started, she was actually there. And uh, throughout the, the the course of the incident, both of my parents were there. Yeah. Um, and that day it kind of hit me. I was like, all right, I'm doing the wrong thing with my life. This is not what I saw myself doing. This is not what I need to be doing. Yeah. Um, it's kind of called to do it. It was kind of like it kind of was kind of like your your calling. Yeah. yeah. Damn. And yeah. so I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 I'm, no. I ain't trying to cut you off. I'm just like I'm like shocked. Like I, I feel like I was there. Yeah. But like, do like emotional wise, like what was you like? Was you like scared or nervous for your parents? I'd say uh, in my entire life, you know, with them being police officers, that was the one of the only times that I was actually legitimately worried. Oh, about, damn. Uh, what was going on. Right. And if they were going to be okay. Um, and my parents have not had uh, easy careers in law enforcement uh, by any means. But I'd say that's probably the uh, the most traumatic thing that they've experienced, um, at least that we've discussed. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely one of the only times, if not the only time, that I was actually worried about them coming home. Mm. Um and at the time, I was, man, I don't even remember how old I was. I'm 26 now, so. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, fast forward to May of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I started working for Galveston County Sheriff's Office in the jail. I uh, spent about a year there, and then I worked, I got a job. With the Belton Police Department mm-hmm. in Central Texas. It's actually where I went to college. Um, and so went back there. They paid for the police academy. Went through the police academy. Started June of 2020 uh, on patrol. Okay. Um, and, of course, this is right on the cusp of everything with the George Floyd incident. Right, yeah. Um, so my very first day as a police officer was a Black Lives Matter protest. Oh uh, damn! How did how did how, how, how you felt about that? I know because because uh, uh, with that Black Lives Matter protest thing, I know speaking on African Americans is pretty pretty we're pretty all over the place in the stuff because you know we're trying to get our point across and 
try to do a lot of things to like, hey, you know, our lives matter, not just, you know, Caucasian and Hispanic and, you know, Asian people and things like that. Like everybody's lives matter, but not just like specifically just black lives. Because I know we somewhat get badly treated, but I think they, they misinterpret, our people kind of misinterpret it the wrong way. And then it's just kind of like, no, no, it's not like that. No, no, he did that to me, man. He put his foot in the mud. Like, man, I think he's just trying to do his job and you wasn't cooperating. And, and that's why you put yourself in that situation. But I feel like people are going to bash about whatever. Like, oh, man, you talk to a cop. And like, I got friends be like that. They're like, oh, why are you talking to cops, man? You know, he going to get your info. Like, no, man, he's just a normal person who goes to work. And he, he has to, he, he, you know, he puts his life on the line and, you know, do what he needs to do. And a lot of people... I think they just have they missing the the understanding part of what y'all actually do and what goes behind the scenes of what y'all do in you know on the on the line you know on the line of duty of being a, a police officer. Yeah, and that it was it was definitely an experience, and it's not the uh, to go to say that um, what happened was absolutely not okay. Um, and I speak for majority of police officers, almost every single police officer in the world, uh, when I say that that is not something that we condone actions like that, things like that. And it, it's one of those things that you can, you can tell even if you aren't a police officer that that, that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was an experience. It was eye opening. Um, it was definitely, it wasn't like crazy and there wasn't any rioting or anything like that. They just, it was a peaceful protest. What, it, you know, what the appropriate way to handle it. Okay. Um, and so that was first day on patrol. Um, I spent about a year um, with the Belton Police Department. And then I left March of 2021. Uh-huh. And I went to work for the Brazoria County Sheriff's Office, which is the next county over um, from where we're at now. Um, I spent two years there and then decided that it was time to move on. Okay. Um, Something that I've always wanted and I've kind of always joked about was coming to work for Lamarck um, because my dad worked here for 15 years. And so a lot of the supervisors, like my immediate supervisor, both my corporal and my sergeant, I've known for about 15 years since I was a kid. Okay. Um, And I remember having a conversation with Sergeant Garcia my first year as a police officer, joking with him that one day I'd come back to Lamarck and he would be my supervisor. And then when my dad retired, I was like, well, that was a perfect opportunity. Why not? You know? So, <laughs> yeah. so I went ahead and did it, came over to Lamarck and the best decision I've made, um, career wise. <laughs> I love working here. Um, and I, here at Lamarck compared to my previous two agencies, um, I really feel like I'm actually making a difference. Um, I get to do things that I haven't gotten to do before, interact with the community in ways that I've never gotten to interact with the community. Yeah. Um, and it it feels like I'm making a difference. Okay. Um, you know, and I, I tell people all the time that I interact with the work. Um, I didn't get into this job to take people to jail. You know, I didn't, that's not what I got into this to do. I got into it to, to make a difference. Right. And, and to actually make an impact. Okay. Uh, uh, do you, can you give like a, 
Can you give like an like just a short example, like what what impact you gave to the community? Yeah, so um, we actually do um, what is called community oriented policing here in the Mark, and so a lot of the officers we get, you know, we get an extra three hundred dollars stipend, and what we do is we get assigned sections of the city as our community policing sector, um, and we go out and we pretty much knock on doors and we're, Hey, I'm your community. I'm your, you know, your sector officer for community policing. What concerns do you have? You know, mm. What do you think's going on? Is there things that we need to be made aware about? Um, and so with that, we also do what is called the taps program. It's the teen and police service Academy. Okay. okay. <clears throat> and so what taps is, um, is I was just introduced to it this past year in 2023. Yeah. And what it is, is a, uh, teen and police program where uh, your local police agency goes to your high school and kids that are at risk um, have social skill issues, things like that, they can take this course and it actually applies as uh, college credit hours. Damn. Um, And they interact with us and we are the ones, there's a, a, member from the TAPS program that is there that is assigned as the instructor. But there's a lot of stuff that we as the police officers teach. And we get to interact with these kids. And we get to do these different activities with them. And I actually remember I posted a picture of one of them uh, where we were doing an activity where you all join hands and you have to untangle each other. Um, and I posted it on Instagram one day and you had actually commented on it and you were like, man, this, this is super inspiring. Or you said something to that effect. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> yeah. Like it just seemed like your, your, your career based, uh, your uh, being a police officer and law enforcement is like, I see all the pictures on your Instagram and stuff like, damn, he, he really enjoys what he does, man. Yeah. yeah, I do. And that's the thing is, you know, the saying, you know, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. And I really, that, that kind of resonates true to me Yeah, um, because I absolutely love what I do. I couldn't see myself now that I am a police officer. I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Um, and that interaction with the community, especially youth, like that's where it starts, you know? Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I've interacted with kids or, um, <clears throat> teenagers that are like oh well my parents said this that and the other about police officers and i tell them like dude i promise you i'm probably one of the nicest people you'll ever meet (laughs) and um i can't tell you how many people i've interacted with that are like people that i've taken to jail uh people that i've given tickets to yeah they tell me thank you uh, at the end of our interaction like hey man i really appreciate it okay and they tell me i really appreciate that you treated me like a human being and that's all it is and and that's something that when I became a police officer that my parents really kind of stressed was be the person that you would want to respond to your family's house. Um, and so that's how I am. You know, I, I treat everybody with the same level of respect. Um, even when I have people who I unfortunately have to put my hands on them mm-hmm. um, and they want to, they want to try and fight with us or, or, or whatever, run from us, whatever the case may be. Oh shit. Um, <clears throat> I'm still the same level of professional with them as I am with anybody else. Right. Um, And so that's, that's really it. That's the, that's the gist of the law enforcement and why I got into it and my reason and passion behind it. Okay. Damn, man. I appreciate that, Katie, man. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of inspiring stuff. And, you know, your parents, you know, being in law enforcement for a long time, 
and then you just kind of trickle your way into it, you know, especially having a tragic event like uh, Santa, uh, Santa Fe. Yeah. Santa Fe High School shooting and stuff. Yeah, I, I really appreciate your, you know, time and sharing that story. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're going to move on to the next one, man. I see all the badges and stuff. And all the patches. Not badges, but patches. Yeah. Yeah, you look like you've been around. So I, I collect um, a lot of these patches. So this this box here that says Family Tradition, um, all of those patches represent um, agencies that I have or have had family members work for. Oh, wow. Um, and then... These ones over here that are on the cork board, um, and I have a bag down there as well. Uh, those are all patches from either agencies that I have worked with mm -hmm. um, or interacted with through training classes or um, <clears throat> things of that nature uh, okay. that, that, you know, hey, you got a patch? I'll trade you a patch. Oh yeah, I got a patch, man. I'll, I'll trade you. So kind of like kind of like an NFL jersey swap. Yeah, yeah, actually, yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's what's up, man. That's cool, man. This is yeah. I feel very inspired in this room right now because it's like a lot of history and a lot of family tradition, man. And so let's go ahead and move on to the next one. So your second question was uh, the image of law enforcement today versus reality of the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, man. So that's the thing is um, law enforcement's a pendulum um, and it swings one way or the other, whether the pendulum is for us or against us. And mm -hmm. right now, uh, for the past, uh, it started when uh, Barack Obama was president. Mm -hmm. Nothing against him, nothing. Are uh, you good? I think that he did a lot of good things as a president, but one of the one of the biggest things where he failed – and I don't think he did it intentionally was the, the image of law enforcement. That's when the pendulum kind of swung against us. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of things that have gone on in the world that haven't been okay that law enforcement has done. But that's the thing is the only time anything makes the news is when it's things that we do wrong. Damn. Um, I never paid attention to it like that. Yeah. You, you never see, it's very few and far between that you see the good stuff, the good, you know, news articles about, you know, we've saved a life or we've done this, or we've done that. And, um, but it's always the second we do something wrong that they're, the media is the first one to put us out there and throw us under the bus. Damn. So they, so they don't mention anything about the good stuff, you know, helping the community, saving somebody life, you know, just, just making tremendous great impact. To the community, they don't mention none of that. Very few and far between. It, it very rarely, very rarely happens. Um, Damn, no, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm just shocked right now. Yeah. Go ahead, my bad. And, and when you say that, like when I tell people that, they think about it and they're like, "Man, that's actually a good point." Like I've never seen a news article that says, "Oh, this police department's done this or this officer did this," um, in a good aspect. Yeah, um, you kind of because you kind of normally just see like. Oh, this uh, this police officer, this new recruit, he just got crossed over, and now he's a he's a law enforcement deputy yeah. now. You know, you see like the celebrations and the ceremonies yeah. and stuff, but it's you know, you know, like you said, the between stuff you don't see all the good. You see mostly the bad, and oh, this officer did this. Oh, he had like a scandal or whatever. It just mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And you just were like, like you said, now that you mentioned it, you be like, I never seen a whole lot of great stuff that the you know the police officer do the 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 law enforcement uh you know do for the community or do for their city they they don't mention that you know and then it's like 
it's kind of it's kind of sad in a way because it's like y'all do a lot of a lot of stuff for for law enforcement. Y'all do a lot of shit, and it 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 needs to it needs to be you know it needs to be you know it needs to be bring to the uh, brought to the light in yeah. in a way. But I, is 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 that kind of challenging for y'all in the law enforcement over for you? Yes, uh, because that's <coughs> that's what people see. They, they don't see this, what you're looking at right now. They don't see a person. All they see is the uniform. Mm. They, and it's unfortunate because it's, you know, like I said, I tell people all the time when I interact with them, I'm probably one of the nicest people they'll ever, they'll ever meet. Um, and, but, but it's because what the media decides to display, um, and it makes it nationwide, makes it worldwide. Um, uh, and, and there are times and there are those things that do need to be displayed. You know, I mean, perfect example is what we started the podcast with or, or the, the first question with was the George Floyd incident. You know, obviously that's something that absolutely needs brought to the light. That needs to be discussed and needs to be talked about because it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's when these media outlets post all these stories that the investigation isn't even finished. And there is no... Um, obvious signs of malicious intent or anything like that by a police officer. Mm-hmm. And um, it sucks. It's it's difficult because... And it, I hate the saying, you know, police officer, oh, well, you don't let one bad apple spoil a bunch. Oh, fuck that. Pardon my language. <laughs> no, you're good. No, you're good. You know, but but good. we're not fruits. We're not apples. There's bad police officers. There's no other way to... Don't sugarcoat it. Don't put it any other way. There's bad police officers in the world. There's people that shouldn't be police officers. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Have I met a few? 100%. Mm. Do I stand by those people? No, absolutely not. And they don't reflect who I am as a police officer or as a person. Mm. Um, and And that's the thing is, every day that I go to work, my goal is to make an impact in somebody's life for the better. Mm. Whether it be removing someone from a bad situation or, I mean, it could go as small as the other day, and this is not to, you know, kind of stroke my ego or anything like that, but the other day I was, I was at work, mm-hmm. I'm getting gas. I noticed there was a guy parked in the parking lot of the gas station just kind of standing there, and I said, hey, man, are you all right? He was like, yeah, I ran out of gas. I left my, my wallet at home. Mm. Um, and I said, okay, well, do you have, and he wasn't parked at a pump. I said, do you have a gas can? He goes, yeah. And so I walked over, I put my card in, I let it run. And he was like, well, I'm just going to get $5. I'm like, no, man. I was like, get what you need yeah. to get home and take care of yourself, man. Take care of your business. Right. Um, and that's the kind of things like, and I, I don't need recognition for that, you know, but it's, that's the stuff that isn't showed. Mm. And it's hard. It, it is hard being a police officer. Um, I think it's probably harder than most careers out there. Yeah. I'd say even not just a police officer, but a first responder in general. Oh yeah, um, for sure. It's, it's difficult. Um, and, you know, when when 9-11 happened, the pendulum swung in our favor and everybody was pro-law enforcement. Um, and then you have things happen like um, officer-involved shootings. You know, you have the, um, you have hands up, don't shoot. You have Black Lives Matter. You have George Floyd. And, and, and all of those things, 
that's not to say that they're okay or they were justified or that that people being upset was wrong. No, I, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying at all. Mm-hmm. It's just we take those few sporadic incidents that happen all over the world mm-hmm. or all over the U.S. And we let those or the, the the public lets those incidents and those 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 one-time things change their view on law enforcement Man. forever. Um, and you have to think that people talk about the statistics beside, behind um, police officers killing people, um, whether it be an officer-involved shooting or whatever the case may be. Um, and statistically speaking, mm-hmm. more people, if it were just you and me, we were just two average people in the world, mm-hmm kill each other than police officers kill each other. There are police officers kill people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not an issue. The issue is it's because we have a badge and a gun. Um, and that's that's kind of the, the thing that's always been a, a disconnect to me. Um, and I understand that we are there to protect people. Yeah. Um, but what people don't realize is that that's when, when those things happen, that's what a lot of those officers are doing. Um, especially, and, and I'm specifically referring to justified officer-involved shootings. Um, you know, and it, it, it it's immediate. Everybody, it happens, and everybody always jumps to, he was such a good person. He was a good kid. He was a straight-A student. He was this. He was a father. He was a, she was a mother, you know, he right. had a, a mom and a dad. And, but I have those things too. And I was those things, but I'm not, I don't have a, a criminal history, you know, as long as like, most books. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that people with criminal histories are bad people. You know, people make mistakes in life oh, all yeah. the time, yeah. you know, and I, I interact with people all the time yeah. at work that, Oh man, I, I I've been in prison for this, so I've been in jail for this, and I'm like, I don't care about that. That's then. This is now. This is what we're dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just the other day, I had a guy that uh, I pulled over for some some minor traffic infractions. Uh, made the traffic stop. I walked up to the vehicle, and as I'm walking up to the vehicle, he says, "I'm going back to jail." I said, "Why are you going back to jail?" He goes, "I just know it." And I'm like, "What the hell?" Okay. I'm like, "Do you have warrants?" He goes, "No." I'm like, "So why would you be going back to jail?" Right, you didn't even you didn't even yeah. like you didn't even like do the process and <laughs> nope. nothing in your nothing. car, nothing, nothing. And Damn. Uh, he ended up having like a nugget, like a little nugget of marijuana. And I was like, dude, I'm not worried about that. I'm not about to waste the next two hours of my shift and my life taking you to jail over. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's crazy, just like how he just shoot, just the, the you know the low ball and stuff. Like how you say low ball himself yeah. yeah just like the minute you showed up like oh i'm going to jail you go ahead take me yeah. you're like man i'm gonna ask you for your license yeah. and registration like yeah. <laughs> it, and they, they just skip straight to that part and i'm like let's take a few steps back let's we're gonna start over you yeah know, Let, let's explain let's see yeah. like why you want to go to jail like you want to know the reason yeah and, and, and you like you look like the reasonable person like to sit down and Okay, let's talk about this and see what's going on. You like, hey, get your ass on. And you know, yeah. you don't do all that. That just that's a lot of rah rah and yeah. stuff like that. And you burn a lot of energy too. Yeah, you know that's and that's a 
that's a lot going on at, at, at you know, especially on night shift and shit like mm-hmm. that. I, I understand that part. Yeah, and it's definitely uh, days compared to nights is definitely uh, more dangerous uh, because I don't have the advantage of the sunlight showing me everything that's in your car, showing me everything in our environment. Uh, all I have is my flashlight. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out with with one one flashlight. That one, that that flashlight right there sitting next to you, you know. Yeah. That's what I'm using to look inside the entire car to make sure this person doesn't have a gun or uh, there's not somebody else hiding inside the vehicle waiting to ambush me. And uh, every vehicle, you know, there's there's no such thing as a routine traffic stop or a routine call for service. And uh-huh. everything that we do, there's no one call, there's no one traffic stop that'll ever be the exact same. Never. Um, and... We interact with people on what is usually the worst day of their life. Um, You know, people, it's not a normal thing to call 911. Yeah. You know, you you think, I've never had to call 911. And I think about it, and I'm like, yeah, I'd be, if I had to call 911, like, that's going to be a pretty weird day for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I spend a lot of time thinking about is like, okay, you know, this person's calling 911. They think that right now at this point in time, this is the worst day of their life because now they're having to call somebody else to solve a problem for it. Damn. Um, and, and we deal with so many different things. We are marriage counselors. We are um, a suicide hotline. We are uh, police officers. We're paramedics i mean we wear so many hats oh yeah um, because we do so many different things um you'd be surprised how many people call 911 um because they're arguing with their spouse there's no physical altercation there's no crime that it's been that's just been an happening. argument they're just arguing really and damn um <clears throat> something that i hold very near and dear is mental health and, and mental health awareness and uh, I actually became a certified mental health officer with the state of Texas. Damn. Um, Congratulations. I appreciate it. And uh, so that's something that, you know, I, I spend, we get dispatched to these calls where, you know, people are, say they're suicidal or, or they're, you know, they got all these different mental health issues going on. And mm-hmm. um, I spend more time on those calls for service than I do anything else. Uh, on the on the mental on the mental health calls. Yes. Okay. So you you so you say you're more like a counselor? No, I'm still just a regular police officer. But with uh, there is a mental health officer course that you can take mm-hmm. um, that certifies you as a mental health officer in the state of Texas, and that allows us. It gives us a better when you take that class. It gives you a better understanding of how to interact and how to help and handle and deal with these people that are in a mental health crisis. Then. Um, your average day-to-day officer would. Um, and it also teaches you how we can actually take these people who they say, oh, I, I'm hearing voices or um, I have thoughts of suicide or homicide and I have a plan. Um, we can actually take those people and we can take them and admit them to the hospital against their will but for their good. Mm. Um, and it allows them to get a psychiatric evaluation. Um, and there's actually tons of mental health hospitals all over Houston that people, act, they don't realize it, but 
like a lot of these hospitals are mainly mental health hospitals. A big one is Ben Taub. Um, <clears throat> ben Taub is primarily a mental health hospital. Um, they still do, they still have an ER, they still have everything else that another hospital would have, but their primary and sole focus is mental health. Um, and so I spent a lot of time on those calls because those are the type of calls that those people need you to just sit down with them and, and have a conversation with them. They don't, they don't need you to stand there and what's your name, date of birth, what's going on. Okay. Well, this is all I can do for you. There's nothing I can do to help you. They just, uh, they just need an ear to talk yeah. to most. Yeah. Most of the time they just want somebody to talk to. Damn. Um, and, uh, I think that's, you know, again, this goes, it, it goes back to the, the question, the good, the bad, and the ugly is there are, ugly parts of this this job there are bad parts of this job uh but by far the good outweighs the bad and the ugly um it just it is a it's a thankless career um and what i mean by that is there is a lot that we do that we don't get a lot of praise for Mm. um and again like I said I, at the very beginning, I didn't get into law enforcement to take people to jail. I got into it to make a difference. You yeah. know, I have stuff all over. Um, you know, it's packed up in boxes or um, I don't think I have any in here, but, uh, you know, packed up in boxes or, or, or put away in folders where um, I've received compliments from people that they, they reach out to my agency, whether it was Lamarck, Belton, Brazoria County that they are like, Hey, this, you know, deputy Cagnon or officer Cagnon came out and, um, <clears throat> he did this, that, or the other. And I just wanted to say, I really appreciate it. And we're thankful to have somebody like this, you know, protecting our community and yeah. serving our community. And I think the, <laughs> the best way to describe the good, the bad, the ugly, and being in this career and, and how thankless it is, is that as police officers, we have to be servant leaders. Um, and what I mean by that is I'm going to serve my community in any way, shape, form, or fashion that they need me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether they realize it or not, I'm leading them to a better tomorrow, um, even down to the most minute detail. Right, um, and it starts with your your frontline officers. It starts with your patrol guys. Um, we on patrol, we we're the ones that we're interacting with these people on a on a daily basis. Um, and you know, I I couldn't imagine working for like Houston PD. I mean, those guys they service so many calls for service. In oh yeah, year, and they're so understaffed, and they're that they are so so mistreated. Oh yeah, um, by their community and. It's it's just it's unfortunate. It sucks to see, you know, people, and and it all goes back to, they don't see us as people. They just see the uniform. Yeah, see, and they see you with the badge and gun. Yep. And they're just like, oh, but stay away from him. Yep. You know, they get like, yeah, I kind of I kind of see that and stuff like that. You know, my reaction with police officers, it don't really, I must get pulled over for like speeding ticket, well, me speeding or whatever. But I don't like freak out and start hiding stuff. I just kind of just be nonchalant and hey, license registration. Hey, what's going on? And I kind of crack jokes with the officers. Yeah. Some kind of be 
into their job and there's others <laughs> kind of be like, oh, that was funny. Ha, ha. Yeah. And you be like, okay. And but I don't have I don't have I used to have a weird a weird um inter not weird interaction. I used to have like weird intentions about police officers when I was younger, like, oh let me they the ops and you know, I gotta stay away from them. I can't say too much because they're gonna be all in my business. You know, do you hear did you hear something? Oh no, nah, I ain't trying to be no snitch, you know, and it's like no, no, I'm just trying to get but as I as I'm getting older and I'm getting more understanding about law enforcement, because my wife, she works for the city of Houston, but she works uh mostly in the uh uh HPD. And she got people and she's like the I forgot what she does. She's like the the money lady for the city. Oh, she, finances. She, yeah, finances okay. and stuff. But she she has people that works in law in HPD and and she's working on trying to get a job in there, you know, working in the office to help them out uh, financial wise. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of get an understanding. I was trying to be a police officer, you know, but I just can't pass that test. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a test. I'm not the best te- te- test taker, but I don't know. Some reason I was trying to get in a Houston police department. I'm like, oh, I want to be a police officer. And her and her friends in the police department like, why you want to be a police officer? I was like, I don't know. I just want to, yeah. I want to help out. I want to, you know, like you said, I want to make an impact. And, you know, I couldn't, I had too much, not charges, but I just had a felony charge. I had when I was like 19 and I never took it off. And it was just a lot of stuff that kind of play with that. But I never let that, uh, that felony bring me down to do, you know, other things like the podcast and working out and, Trying to trying to make a, a impact in a different way, yeah. Instead of me going doing police officer type of thing or whatever, but no, no, my my interactions with the law enforcement is it's it's pretty good, you know. I I follow the rules, and, you know. I do what I'm told, and, and that's it. You know, it don't it don't be weird or nothing like that. Because I'm trying to get I'm trying to get this interaction out the way, and they're trying to get their job and do do their job and get their get this, you know, ticket or, hey, how you have a warning and go about their merry way. And then, you know, and go back to doing what we're, you know, what we're supposed to do. You know, they do their duty and then I go home safely yeah. and follow the traffic signs and not speed yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, so, and, and, and that's the thing, man, is is that, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, <laughs> you know, I work for the city of Lamarck and it is, the residents are predominantly minority, um, and I'm a white, a very large white male mm-hmm. that works in that environment. And people, these, the, the citizens of Lamarck see me, and it, it all the time. They're like, "Man, I wouldn't fuck with you." And I'm like, "I'm, dude, I'm not the one you got to worry about. It's, it's these people, you know, because yeah, you know, it's like my partners, and not because they're bad people, but it's because I'm just because of my size, I'm, I'm a softer person, right? Um, and not to say that I'm. I'm soft in the sense of like, I just let stuff go. I'm just, the things that I do when I have to put hands on somebody or I have to use any kind of escalation of force, Mm -hmm. what I do is going to look 10 times worse than what someone half my size, an officer half my size does. True. uh, Because of my size. And so I tell people, I'm like, I promise I'm not the one you got to worry. I'm I'm the nice (laughs) one, you know. Um, But, and that's the thing is, You know, I have friends that guys that I grew up with, went to high school with, and and they have, you know, 
criminal histories, and I, I'm still friends with those people. You know, one of them, he lives here in Lamarck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I unfortunately, a few months back, I uh, <laughs> I had to I had to be there when his dad was arrested in the city of Lamarck. And mm. I called him. I said, hey, man, hey, look, this is what's going on. I just want to give you a heads up. Um, so here's what's happening. Here's what, what you you and your family need to do. Um, these are the steps y'all need to take moving forward to, to you know, <laughs> to handle this this process. Right. Um, and uh, his dad actually, uh, I think I might even still have the message. Um, after his dad got out of jail, <laughs> he was talking to him and and he he said. Uh, <laughs> So he sends me a message. This is back in September. He says, "Hey, brother, thanks for everything yesterday. It was greatly appreciated." Uh, you didn't. You probably don't know this, but everyone in the hood of Lamarck and Hitchcock knows uh, how great of a man you are, and they're going to respect you when they see you because you're a man of principles and honor. My dad is a well-known man around here, and when he was re- released around 1 a.m. this morning, he sent out a message that said, "This man, this officer named Cagnon, is a good dude. He stands about six seven. He's very cut and swole, white male police officer." <laughs> Uh, that still makes you believe there's good people in this world. Mm. If you guys see him around, make sure you pay your respects and make his job easier because he's a, he's a great youngster that treats everyone equally and just sees right and wrong. And, and, you know, growing up, uh, I didn't know, you know, I, I'd seen his dad around, you know, playing high school sports and stuff like that. We played together and, mm-hmm. uh, but I never really interacted with him. And that morning, uh, when the primary officer made the traffic stop and I walked up to the vehicle, we saw each other and it was immediately, he was like, I was like, come on, man, what yeah. are you doing? You know? Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, it's things like that, that the community or the, not the community, but it, it's things like that. The, the larger public doesn't see, um, and that's what I mean by, by making an impact. And it doesn't, it's not just kids. It's not just old people. It, it's everybody. Right. Right. I'm, I'm here to make a difference with everybody. Um, and like I said, I have people all the time that I, I, I take to jail, um, or I give tickets to, um, that thank me. They're like, man, I really appreciate it. You treated me with respect. And I'm like, I just treated you like anybody else should be treated, you know? Right. Right. Uh, but what that stems from is exactly the root of this question is is people they they just see law enforcement as this one we're all the same person we're all making the same decisions and and that's not how it is you know there and again there are bad police officers in the world oh yeah there are people that should not be police officers but the vast majority of us are just your everyday person that have normal lives normal jobs yep and, and and be, but but because it's a job that they don't do, it's not normal to them, mm. you know. Um, but I love what I do. I couldn't see myself doing anything else. I love the difference that I can make in the community, mm-hmm. and I love interacting with these people on a daily basis. And and you know, especially now as a uh, a more senior officer. Uh, so to kind of give some insight, the. My shift consists of my sergeant, my corporal, who both have 15 plus years of law enforcement experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, who have, uh, I have, I'm working on year four. Okay. Um, and then I have another officer. He just hit a year, November 1st. Okay. Um, and then the last officer on our shift is a female, and she is right around seven or eight months um, on patrol. Yeah. Um, 
and I'm also a training officer. Um, I did um, SWAT certified. Um, so I spent a lot of time at my previous agency for two years doing a lot of SWAT stuff. Damn. Um, serving a lot of search warrants for houses for the DEA and things like that. So I've gotten to experience the many faucets that, that law enforcement has to offer. And uh, because of that, uh, we have, I, I, I think we have a perfect combination of, of experience on our shift. And I kind of serve as that buffer for, for the younger guys. And uh, I specifically specialize in intoxicated driver investigations. That's kind of my passion. It's what I'm, I'm, I excel at. Um, and so a lot of the guys at the PD, they come to me when they have their questions about DWI and the same thing in my previous agency. And, um, it, it's, it's all about making a, making an impact on every, free, every freaking level that I can, man. You know? Hell yeah. And I have coworkers that reach out to me about working out and, and eating healthy and right. things like that. And, and, and so, like I said, it, it's on every single level that I can Hell make yeah. an impact. So that, that's what's up. That's what's up, KD, man. This is this is crazy, man. I'm just like I'm just sitting here listening to all the history, and I'm like, damn, there's a lot to do in the law enforcement that we don't even know of. Hey, listeners, man, I hope y'all been listening. Oh, hopefully you made it this far. Um, but yeah, law enforcement, man, they're they, they're actually good people, actually normal human beings that just doing their job for the community. And, you know, and I hope you understand and get in the insight of what it is to be a law, or, you know, in law enforcement from KD and appreciate that, man. And I, I think the the most important or the biggest message that I can I can give to, to anybody listening um, when you interact with law enforcement is is. Our biggest goal is that everyone and it used to be back in the day was saying was we go home to our families. No, no, no. <laughs> now it's everyone goes home because I, I want you to go home. I want to go home. You know, I realize and, and we as a greater law enforcement community realize that it's not just about us. <laughs> it's about the people that we're serving. It's mm-hmm. about ourselves. It's about our families. It's about their families. And so you've kind of see <laughs> we've kind of seen this trend where it goes from we go home safe to now everybody goes home safe because that's what we want. That, yeah. the, the goal at the end of the day is you show up and I had a sergeant in the jail um, who I've known since I was very, very little. Um, she was one of my supervisors and she always said, uh, and I'm sure she's going to listen to this so she'll know uh, <laughs> that I'm talking about her. But um, she, every single night we'd get to work and she'd say, all right, we're going to, we're going to go home with the same 10 fingers and 10 toes we showed up with. Same thing with everybody we deal with. Mm. And that's like something that stuck with me. And that's something that I tell new officers. That's something that I tell officers that I'm training. I tell them, Hey, we showed up with 10 fingers, 10 toes. We're leaving with 10 fingers, 10 toes. So, Same thing with everybody we deal with. Damn. So you, so you, so, so basically it's kind of like a small tradition from, uh, from, you know, from her to you and you just, you know, passing on the message or passing off the powerful message like, hey, we live in here with 10 fingers and living here with 10 toes and make sure we walk in. Basically, that's the same logic we get because uh, I work in construction in Laporte. And, you know, you know, we, we walk in the same way. We walk in the same way we came in and we walk out the same way we came, you know, yeah. they came in or vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah, man, that's crazy. That's that's a powerful message, man. I'm a definitely. Definitely, like, keep that in the back of my mind because that's very important, man. Safety is a big key, and I appreciate you for giving that that positive affirmation to to the to the listeners that you know people need to 
have like a true better, you know, a true good understanding about law enforcement. And I appreciate you for sharing that. And we're going to move on to the next one because now you got a couple more. <clears throat> I know you said the uh, mental health awareness for men and first responders and the impact of the impact our chosen profession is has a mental impact. Yeah, so... Um, I feel like I said that wrong, my bad. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Uh, so what it is is uh, the mental mental health awareness for men, um, and even to expand on that, first responders, and the impact that our careers have on our mental health. Um, you know, I, uh, I'll be the first to admit, and I tell people this, that, you know, when I interact with them at work, if I, if I take a mental health call... I let them know, hey, I, I got some mental health issues. You know, I have depression. I've got anxiety. I've got PTSD from some of the things that I've I've seen and dealt with at work. And um, and I and you know, people they hear PTSD and they think like the extreme, you know. And I, I don't, I don't have, you know, there are people that with 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 legitimate severe PTSD issues. Right. Um, and when I say PTSD, I mean I, I, there's. There's times that I have some nightmares, nightmares about some of the stuff that I've dealt with, or, or some of the stuff that I've had to see or hear. And but uh, I'm 26 years old. I'm divorced. Mm. Divorced at 26 years old. Uh, I've been divorced for about a year now. Um, my ex-wife and I were together on and off for about eight years. Uh, we were only married for a year. Um, and reflecting back on that, mm-hmm. uh, she's an amazing woman. Let me put that out there. She's, she's a great person. <laughs> she's a great human being. Um, and we didn't get divorced for any malicious reason or anything like that. It was just one of those things that, um, you know, after so long together, we just realized we were not meant to be together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of, not not I think, but I know, a lot of what played into us getting a divorce was my mental health issues. Um, I let them go unchecked for a very long time and it yeah. led to a lot of bad things. Um, I had a really bad drinking problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I was drinking pretty much every single day that I was off. I was consuming copious amounts of alcohol. Oh shit. Um, and, uh, I would never leave the house. I wouldn't go anywhere. I wouldn't do anything unless it, and the only time I would leave the house was to go to the gym. That was it. Uh, and that was it. And I'd go home <laughs> because I didn't want to interact with people. Uh, my depression and my anxiety would get so bad that I would stay in bed for 24 hours and <laughs> I'd go a couple days without eating or um, <laughs> probably the worst was uh, my depression and my anxiety was so bad one Christmas that uh, I, I didn't even go see any of my family for Christmas. I stayed at home. What the hell? Dude. <laughs> yeah. Hope. Oh shit! Damn you! You punched me in the face with that one. I'm holy shit. Hold on, I'm, let me process. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh damn! Holy crap! You, this because the person I'm seeing right now is totally different. What you just explained, the past person, the the past KD. Yeah. Now to the new KD, it, it, that's a that's a vast difference, man. Yep. That's that's a that's a big ass change. Yeah. And, holy shit. Go ahead, go ahead. It, it stems from recognizing that I had some, I had some mental health issues, and I think that 
as men, mm-hmm. first and foremost, as men, we think that, you know, and I think you described it perfectly in episode one of the podcast. You talk about how this podcast is a podcast for men to come and talk about the things that we, you know, um, we have to be hard all the time and we can't be, you know, emotional exactly. or, or, or we can't, you know, yeah, man, that's, that's, that's kind of what the gist of it is just like a podcast for men only from not only, only for men. The, the, it's kind of like the safe space for men to yeah. like come in and, open up because you know we don't like i said like i tell everybody we don't have a lot of outlets as men because we always working we always working hard and we gotta we're standing on the mountain look like you know a superhero 24 mm-hmm. 7 but behind closed doors we got a lot of skeletons in our closet bro we got you know drinking problems anger issues i had anger issues back in my past and uh, you know that was out of my character, and I had to work on that too. You know, work on being more patient, more disciplined, more confident, and shit like that. But yeah, yeah, man, this this podcast is just a safe space to open out, oh, oh, you know, have the open floor for men, guests like yourself, and just be themselves and get a lot of shit off their chest that a lot of people don't take the time to sit down and talk to you about or listen to you about like, Hey man, I got a lot of shit off my chest. Oh man, suck that shit up and go back to doing what you're doing. Yep. And I'm like, now you with your hands up. You're like, man, fuck this shit. And I'm go back and you don't, you don't doubt you, you, you close off to the world about sharing your emotions or your feelings. Cause they feel like that's the, that they, they accuse us of saying that's the soft part, soft part of us. Like, Oh, why are you being so soft, man? Suck that shit up. And, Stop being a bitch, you know, like yep. you know, that's the whole man uh, mechanisms and stuff. Because that's what we heard um, from, uh, you know, from other people or our families and stuff like that, depending on your situation. Yeah. And now, nah, man, that's why that's why I made the podcast is for people to come here and open up and have that safe space to just be themselves and get all that shit off their chest that they had that uh, that they had built up. So yeah, that's that's the reason, and and that's the thing is, you know, that's what I was saying. Is first and foremost, as men, you know, with mental health, is is we have to, you know, there's this trend for whatever reason that that we have to be exactly what you just described. We have to be the man on the mountain. That's you know, we're we're standing on business, and 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 we are we we have to be tough, and we have to be strong. We have to hold the weight of the world or the weight of our families, and. Um, <laughs> Actually, uh, I dealt with a a uh, a gentleman probably about a week and a half ago at work, and uh, <clears throat> he's got some mental health issues, and and uh, he just told me he's like, I just need a friend, I just need someone to talk to, and I told him I said, man, that you you have to you have to get help. I said, you know, it's, and he was like, well, I'm a man, and I said, no, no, no. I said, it's, it's 2024. We're leaving that shit behind. Like, <laughs> it, I mean, it's the truth. No, it, it is it, the it, truth. It, yeah. It's 2024, dude. That whole, you know, we're men. We have to be macho. We can't have feelings. That's, that's all bullshit. Yeah. We're, we're, we're human beings just like everybody else, you know? And, yeah, man. And, uh, and I, I, I'm a huge proponent of men's, you know, mental health awareness month and, and just mental health awareness in general, but specifically for men, because exactly, you know, what you said is there is not a lot of outlets for men. Um, and it, it took me, you know, going through 
um, three or four different therapists before I finally found one that I was like, all right, I'm, I'm comfortable with this. And it, and it wasn't really, it wasn't so much the, the therapists that I was, you know, oh, I didn't, we didn't match well or whatever. We didn't mix well. Right. But it was more so of <laughs> swallowing my pride and telling myself, I need help. Damn. I, I, they, I can't do this alone. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big step up in your life. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know, I know that's a, you know, that's challenging for all men to swallow that pill and then like, man, let me go in this therapist's office and talk to this person. Cause I, I choose, I'm, I'm, I'm fucked up mm-hmm. and I need to, I need some help. I need to talk to somebody to, to guide me in the right direction of how to change these habits in this situation. And uh, <clears throat> I think the kind of turning point for me in my mental health is, uh, you know, I'll never forget. Um, I, when I left Missouri County, <laughs> I lost my job. I didn't, I didn't leave of my own accord. Um, and, uh, I lost my job for something I shouldn't have lost my job for. Um, and I gave my heart and soul to that agency. I loved working there. I never saw myself leaving there once I worked there, you know, and I spent a lot of days off, you know, there were days where I was working 12 days in a row, you know, working all my days off to, to be there because I, I loved what I did mm-hmm. and I loved where I worked. And, um, <clears throat> my depression got so bad when I lost my job that I thought to myself, yeah, I was like, you know, and, and it, <laughs> it's probably not going to make sense to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember sitting, I used to have a, a mirror that kind of hung on the door, uh, to my closet. I was sitting at the foot of my bed, looking at myself in the mirror and said to myself, you know, I'm not suicidal, but I don't want to be alive. Um, and that's no way to live. And that was really the turning point for me was (laughs) sitting there and having that conversation with myself, realizing that the way I was living was not the way that I wanted to live. Um, and I saw the person that I was becoming because of my mental health. Right. Um, I was making a lot of bad decisions. Um, nothing, nothing legal or anything like that, but I was just making a lot of poor decisions with, you know, that it negatively impacted my family, my relationships with my friends and, you know, my spouse and, um, and, I realized, I was like, this is not the life that I want for myself. Right. Um, And I spent a lot of nights having a lot of tough conversations with my parents. Um, My mom specifically, my dad. And this guy, I was going to bring this up when I talked about, you know, the impact of mental health on first responders. But uh, my dad became a police officer in 1990. Damn, nineteen ninety. Oh, that's my birth year. That's when I was born. (laughs) And uh, so my dad grew up in an era of law enforcement as a police officer, um, where they didn't talk about the things that they dealt with or that they they saw or, or things like that. And to this day, I think there's some things that my dad doesn't talk about that he probably should, you know. Mm hmm. Um, but that's just the era 
of law enforcement that he grew up in. And even to further that so much, uh, my, my grandfather, his dad, um, he passed away when I was still in high school. I was a junior or senior in high school. And, uh, I still, you know, looking back on it now, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an amazing person, amazing human being, um, <laughs> battled cancer for like eight years. I mean, strong, Damn. strong guy. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, he was very, very much so that old school, I'm not going to talk about my feelings, I'm not going to talk about how I feel or that I'm upset. And uh, and my grandpa, my dad's dad, he it was very rare if he told us that he loved us. Um, it's just not something that he did. I thought, I thought that shit was in movies. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 that, yeah, that, that, that's in real life too. Yeah, oh, it shit. just, it just wasn't, and it's not that we didn't know. You know, we knew. My sister and I knew. My cousins knew. My, my dad, my uncle, we, we all knew that he loved us. It's just not something that he verbally expressed very often. You're right. Um, and I'll never forget. Uh, I knew when, and this is kind of when. Um, I'd say I. I this is kind of when the trauma started mm -hmm. uh, maybe this is a lot of what i deal with and associate with kind of ties back into my grandfather's passing away because we were very close yeah uh the day before he passed away um he gave me a hug he was bedridden and he gave he he tried his best to give me a hug and he could barely talk and mm. uh he had been nonverbal for a few days if i remember correctly and um he told me he loved me he didn't say anything to anybody else. He didn't hug anybody else. Nothing. That was it. That was the last thing that he did. And then the next morning he passed away. Um, and was, I, was I, that sorry? Uh, was that like? Damn, I'm, I'm trying. This, I'm, this is a, this is a lot. Yeah, like you. I, no, I appreciate you opening yeah. up. I appreciate you opening up for sure. And I, you know, I'm I'm trying to process all this. I'm I'm in the roller coaster of emotions because this is this is some deep shit. Like, damn man, you you went through a lot like not in a bad way but just your life experiences your life experiences as a kid to now to law enforcement everything put together it's like it's been a lot um but that 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 interaction with your grandpa you know, like after he said those words to you like was that like super powerful was that like meaningful yeah it's something that i uh i hold and carry with me every single day uh, in a good way. Um, and for a long time, it was not in a good way. Mm. For a long time, I, I, I used to beat myself up about that. And I don't even know why. I just did. You know, I, I guess I, I felt guilty. Um, and uh, it was very heavy. I knew um, I was only, you know, 17 16 17 18 something like that at the time mm -hmm. and uh even then i knew i knew what it meant um i knew that that was going to be the last thing that we talked about i knew that was going to be the last interaction that we had together Damn. and uh you know then fast forward um i dealt with some stuff in college that uh i was in a very very unhealthy relationship when I was in college mm -hmm. um, and uh, kind of 
took some setbacks with my self-esteem and my self-confidence, my personal image and things like that. And, mm-hmm. um, so then it, it, you know, my depression, my anxiety continued to build from that. Um, and then I got into law enforcement and, and, and my ex-wife used to say it all the time. She's like, you know, this is your career has changed you. Um, and at the time it did, it, it, I let it change me for the worse. Um, in my personal life, um, because I stopped doing the things that, you know, I would normally do. And, uh, I just let it make me a very closed off person, um, Mm. at first. Um, and what that stems from is that mindset of not only am I a man, but I'm a police officer. I got to be tough. You know, I can't talk about this shit. We don't talk about this shit. Mm Um, and then fast forward to uh, my time at Brazoria County. Um, I had a guy that I, I worked with um, on my shift was going to a call for service. And uh, <laughs> it was like middle of the night. I'd probably say around 11 o'clock midnight, somewhere around there. He's going on uh, 288 through Lake Jackson. Yeah. And uh, long way driver, drunk driver, mm-hmm. hits him head on. Damn. Traps him inside of his vehicle. And uh, he started screaming on the radio. Uh, you know, he calls out that he, he had had a fleet. Um, and then he, you can hear in his voice that the, the fear in his voice. And it was natural. You know, and then you naturally be scared in that situation. I think anybody would. Yeah. Um, and you could hear the fear in his voice when he said that he was trapped in his car. He couldn't get out. Um, and that's something that plays. And not so much now that I've, you know, started going to therapy and I've kind of addressed my mental health issues. But for a long time, I used to have really bad nightmares about that. Um and so then, you know, my depression and my anxiety continued to build and just dealing with things, you know, here and there at work. And um, it kind of finally hit a point um, where I realized, you know, like I said, I was sitting on the edge of my, the foot of my bed and I had that conversation with, my, with myself where I was telling myself, you know, I'm not suicidal, but I don't want to be alive. Um and it was because I was living a life that I didn't want mm-hmm. for myself. And I knew some changes needed to be made. <laughs> um, and I spent a lot of nights alone crying. Um, a lot of nights alone asking myself, would the world be a better place without me? Um, would these people in my life be better off without me in their life? And... uh you know, finally, when um, my ex-wife and I got divorced mm-hmm. is when it kind of hit me. I was like, okay, what in the fuck am I doing? Like, what in the fuck? Um, and I finally told myself, I was like, all right, this is it. I'm, I'm taking control of my life. I'm not going to let my mental health dictate the direction that my life is going to go in. Um, And so I 
like I said, I started uh, going to therapy, and I still go to therapy. Um, not as often as I did when I first started, you know, but I still go now, and um, I think it's a huge, huge benefit. And I think the biggest issue that we as men face is that we have to get away from this stigma that we're men. We can't, we can't have depression. We can't have anxiety. We got to be men. We got to yeah. stand on top of the mountain. And, um, and then even to, to further that as police officers, this is not a career or as first responders in general, um, police officers, fire, EMS, nurses, military, they, those are not careers that you can just coast through and do the things that you have to do or see the things you have to see and just, it goes in and then comes right. It doesn't. You those are those are traumatic things that you retain for the rest of your life. And the issue where it becomes an issue is that we see so much trauma mm-hmm. in our line of work. Yeah. That the normal emotional response that a normal everyday person would have to those things, we we become numb to them. Um, perfect example is, um, it actually, uh, popped up in my, uh, my Facebook memories, Uh January 24th of 2022. Uh, yeah, January, January 24th, 2022, Uh I was dispatched to a shooting at the uh, corner of 1462 and 528 outside of Angleton in Rocheron. Okay. And uh, ended up being a homicide. Uh, ended up being covered in a uh, lady's blood who had unfortunately died. Uh, <clears throat> and it popped up in my Facebook memories, you know, the that same night, within a couple hours, we identified and caught the suspect. Yeah. Um, and... I had shared the sheriff's office post where it gave the details of the call and that he was taken into custody and what his bond was set at. And it popped up in my memories and, uh, it got me thinking like how many other shootings or homicides have I gone to? And I have had uniforms covered in other people's blood, um, or, um, here within the past seven months, I worked a shooting in uh, Lamarck and yeah. I didn't have any gloves. And this young lady was pregnant, 17 years old. She was shot in the back of the head. Oh, shit. Wrong place, wrong time. Damn. Wrong place, wrong time. She was at her, she was at a house that we knew was a problem house. We knew it was, I mean, I'm, I'm there's no sugarcoating it. I'm going to come out and say it. There, we knew it was a dope house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And she was the wrong place, wrong time. And we had had a chain of shootings, and they were all tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually right around the corner um, when it happened. I, I heard it happen before dispatch received the 911 call for service. Um, and so I was the first officer there, and all I had were cloth gloves. I didn't have rubber gloves. Mm. And I knew that I needed to do something to try and save this girl's life. And right. so, you know, if, if 
for those of you listening, for you, Herc, if you don't know, cloth gloves with blood, they're going straight through. Oh, yeah. You know. You and, took, yeah, you touched on all that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I put them on to give me what minimal protection I could have against that. Yeah. And just went to work. Um, and she survived. Hell yeah, man. Um, Damn. And thinking about it, I'm like, man, the normal trauma response that the everyday person would have to this, like, this would be a traumatic experience to them. Yeah, this would be a freaked out moment. I'd have, I'd have freaked out. I'd be like, whoa, what the? Yeah, and I've exactly. been running away from her, you, you yeah. know, and she, you know, screaming, asking for help. Like, I need help. I need, I'm bleeding. You know, you don't know what to do. Yeah. Especially for the normal person, you'd be like, oh, hold a whoa. You know, yeah. you're trying to back away from it. Cause you ain't trying to get in that situation, yeah. You know, but and, as the as a law enforcement, you 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 going into it, you going into the storm. You're like, hey, what's what's going on? Oh, shit, I don't got no regular gloves, man. I got these mountain gloves. I'm gonna just do what I got to do. You're not you're not thinking about it. you just you just reacting. Yeah, that's and, your that's your call that's your call of duty and yeah. stuff. And uh, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about. It. I was like, man, that that normal everyday person that would be a traumatic experience for them but for most first responders that's if you have been doing the job for at least a year plus whether it's police fire ems you know that's normal right you know especially depending on where you work if you work in an area like you know houston lamar texas city um you know a lot of larger areas of brazoria county um harris county fort bend county i mean it's everywhere there's right. no that's and that's that's the thing is crime is everywhere. There's oh yeah. No, there's no place that there's no crime. Um and you know, it's just how many of these things happen that we're just numb to it now because we we deal with it so often. Mm-hmm. We de- and it, not specifically shootings, but just loss of life. Um and you know it comes from car crashes. It comes from natural causes. It comes from shootings, stabbings, you know. And sometimes we find out why it was done and sometimes we don't. You know, like, you know, going back to the the one I was telling you, you know, popped up on my Facebook memories from, mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. Um, that shooting happened literally because they, the, the, the young man that shot and killed her, uh, was living in a dope house and they were out of gas and they were literally coasting to the gas station at that intersection Mm -hmm. and they drove by the house too slow so he thought he was going to get his drugs stolen from him and so he ran ran up on him at the gas station and shot him oh damn Um, and unrelated don't know him nothing he he just thought somebody was just like a drive by or something Mm -hmm. like a a, a scope in the area yeah Yeah. and and so we deal with these things so often that in our eyes and in our minds, we, we just are numb to them. We don't process them like a normal human being would. And that is the issue. That's where our mental health problems come from as first responders, as nurses, as military is that our minds no longer recognize them as traumatic events because we deal with it so often. Mm-hmm. But in the deepest part of our mind, we know it's traumatic. It's something that sticks with us. It's something that, that we'll carry with us for the rest of our life. Cause, you know, cause like nightmares and things like yeah, that. Right. Exactly. And 
But because at the time our trauma response wasn't the normal trauma response that an everyday person would have, we think, wow, we're fine. And then, you know, five, six, 10, 20 years from down the road, it catches up. Yeah. You're remembering, man, that, why am I having nightmares about this? That happened so long ago. And it's because it's finally catching up. You're slowing down Mm -hmm. um, and your body's starting to register. Okay. This is not normal. Um, And uh, it, it becomes even more so of an issue because if you, especially law enforcement, you know, I tell myself and I tell all the, the, the trainees that I train, I tell all of our new people, um, when you walk through, uh, and, and I, I, I phrase it like this now because when we go into work here at Lamarck, we go through the back door. Um, and the way I word it now is when I walk through the back door, my personal life stays outside. I'm now at work. And when I walk back out that door at the end of the day, my work stop, my work stays inside mm-hmm. and I'm now back at home. Mm. Um, and the reason I say that is because we, as first responders, a lot of times, if you are not handling your shit, and I am, I can speak on this from experience. Mm-hmm. If you're not handling your shit, it is going to affect your work life and your home life. And I say I can speak from experiences because my the, my last few months at Brazoria County Sheriff's Office, I was dealing with a lot of shit in my personal life, but I wasn't actually dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was letting it carry into work. Mm. And I was making a lot of decisions that I should have made. I was making, wasn't, you know, slowing down, taking a breath, thinking about, you know, what I should do. And, um. <clears throat> I was letting my emotions get the best of me when I made my decisions. Right. Um, And it led to a lot of situations I shouldn't have been in. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, nothing illegal, nothing, you know, violating anybody's civil rights or anything like that. But officer safety wise, putting myself and my partners in situations I shouldn't have been putting putting myself and my partners in. Um, And that's what happens is you leave, you don't leave that, you know, you, you leave it unchecked and you don't, you don't take care of your business. You don't deal with your mental health. Mm-hmm. You become a safety issue to your partners. You become and, a hazard. Exactly. Um, and I've had to tell people like, if you don't, and there's a lot of agencies, you know, let me, you know, uh, go off t- or on a tangent real quick, but there's a lot of police departments now, especially larger police departments that have, uh, their officers get mental one mental health day, a pay period. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that is such a good idea because I can't tell you how many times that I've had to call in sick to work or take off work because I wake up and I'm like I cannot be at work right now mm-hmm. I am not in the mental headspace to be at work and if there's there's been times where I've had to go to work because staffing issues I'll tell my supervisor hey look I got some stuff going on at home that I need to take care of or I need to, to deal with and process. And I'm really just not in the mental headspace to be out here on my A game. I'm going to go sit in a parking lot somewhere 
I'm going to take my calls for service, but outside of that, I'm going to try and get myself in the right mental headspace. Right. Um, and I think that's perfectly okay because you have to be 100% there. This is not a career that you can be half in, half out. You can't have one foot in the door, one foot out. When you're at work, you're 100% at work. When you're at home, you're 100% at home. Um, and I... As a police officer, and this is going back to kind of taking a grip and taking a hold of my mental health, is um, I didn't want to be a statistic. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I became a statistic by getting divorced. You know, law enforcement has one of the highest divorce rates in all of the career fields um, in the United States. And so I became one of those statistics, and I was told myself I would never be a statistic. And the statistic that I never want to be is the police officer that takes his own life. Mm. Um, that's not a statistic that I want to be. Right. I'm fine with being a divorce statistic. It happens. Shit happens. Life happens. You grow yep. apart. You grow different, you know, and that happens. But I don't want to be a, a suicide statistic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it all boils down to the fact that we have to swallow our pride as men and as first responders and address our mental health concerns to mm. be the best versions of ourselves we can for ourselves and for our family and for our friends. Um, okay. And I think that's, it's, it is the hardest thing that, you know, first responders will ever do. Um, <laughs> And my dad is the perfect example of that. I think that there's a lot of stuff that my dad doesn't talk about mm -hmm. that maybe he probably should talk to somebody about, but that's just the era of law enforcement that he grew up in, you know? And right. <clears throat> my dad is, <clears throat> excuse me, my dad is one of the hardest working people that I've ever met in my entire life. Um, and did a hell of a job providing for our family growing up. But... Now that I'm an adult and I realize, you know, I'm kind of more cognizant of these things and uh, I can see where, okay, yeah, there's probably some things that my dad has let go kind of unchecked for a little too long, mm -hmm. unaddressed, and um, but it's, that's who he is. Right. You know, that's how he was raised. And I think that's where the trend needs to be changed is it starts with your parents or it starts with you know this younger generation of people like you know when we have kids we have to be able to sit down and have that conversation with our kids like hey if you're not feeling okay it's okay to come and talk to me right. especially boys um and then same thing as as police officers as as this new generation of police officers cycles in and, and the old generation it's the the, the passing of the guard happens um, and, and we're seeing it now, you know, we've got these people that are, um, these, these administrators or these supervisors in law enforcement that are reaching 30, 40 years and they're retiring and the passing of the guard is going to these younger guys. You know, one of the guys that I, uh, went to the police academy with, he just promoted to Sergeant. Um, right. we've both been police officers the same amount of time. So three and a half years, uh, working on four years and, you know, that signifies the passing of the guard and, as this passing of the guard happens, we have to encourage our people to 
get help, talk to somebody. It's right. all right. And, 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 you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be at the point of that, that I was at. Right. You know, you don't have to be at the point of you have a drinking problem. You're drinking every single day. You're, you're having these, these negative thoughts. You don't have to be at that point. No, you just, you just need to talk to somebody. Just talk about whatever you deal with at work, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have always been a strong proponent that your spouse should not be that person. Um, yes, you should be able to tell your spouse, like, hey, I dealt with this at work, or this is what happened at work. But you should, if especially, especially if your spouse is not a first responder as well, you should leave out the group gruesome details right leave those to a professional because then you're gonna send your spouse into this overdrive of oh my god you know what did they deal with at work what are they thinking how Mm -hmm. are they you know (laughs) and that's never something and i think that's uh where i failed in my relation my relationships that I've been in since being a police officer is that I, I failed to communicate just the bare minimum of what I was dealing with mm-hmm. um, until to the point where it felt like to my significant others that they were not a part of, you know, that and yeah. it's important for you as a first responder and as a man to be able to include your significant other, your spouse in your mental health journey. Okay. Um, and that's, the best way to view it is it's a journey. It is. I mean, I have, you said it earlier. You're like, you know, the person you just told me about and the person sitting right here in front of me is not the same person. And it, it, it it has been a journey. I have learned so much about myself and, and who I really am as a person. And, and I loved it. Yeah. I loved and still love my mental health journey. Um, and because I am such a, a better person for it. Um, so that's why I view it as a journey. So hell yeah, damn, <laughs> damn, this uh, man, KD man, appreciate you opening up, man. This is, I'm learning a lot about you, man. This is you know you and you opening up like there ain't nothing. I think that's the experience you going to therapy and stuff mm. like that. But I'm, I, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just letting you speak, man. I'm letting you share your story with the listeners, man, and listeners. I hope you're still here because this this man has a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, and a lot of traumas that he dealt with in his past life. And he dealt with them and he overcame them. And now he's became becoming the he became the man that he is today. And this man is one hell of a story, man. I'm not trying to get emotional too. <laughs> this is some deep stuff. All right. <laughs> Try to move on to the last and final question. I feel like we broke into it, into that third one, the uh, being in tune, in tune with your emotions as a man, and what's the what's the means of your life for uh, friends, relationship, and Sigma being a man. I feel like we we tapped into yeah, that. We 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 kind of tapped into it with uh, with everything that I was just talking about. But <coughs> well, so so we did that. Um, let's just finish it off then. Um, so, KD, um, when it comes to positivity and motivation to helping the, the next man or a group of men, what uh, positivity or, or motivational or motivational message would you give 
to help the next man in in, in their journeys of life? Um, if I had to say anything, it's it's we have to, you know, this this brotherhood that that you experience with, you know, you get close to somebody or or, or powerlifting. Yeah. <clears throat> You know, I look at, you know, Logan and and even you and uh, people that I, I, you know, I haven't really interacted with a whole lot. But, like, those are my brothers. You know, we, we do something that, that a lot of people can't do. We put our <laughs> bodies through a lot of a lot of, of, of brutal hours. Man, I, I, I paint the threshold of our pain tolerance is pretty crazy. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it is. And uh, that 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 pride and that brotherhood that you feel like when you, you step on a platform and you, you come off with these guys that, you know, and even in just in the gym, you spend these countless hours training with these people pre- prepping for a meet. Yeah. You know, law enforcement is, you know, we talk about the brotherhood and um, <clears throat> the same thing with military. And it's, it's, we have to set the example for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we don't set the example for each other, nothing's going to change. Damn. Um, we have to be able to be the voice of reason, mm-hmm. but as men, and we are notorious for this, especially with other men. Yeah, we have to learn to just listen. Don't talk, just listen. Um, and I feel like that's where we fail. Other men, as men, they come to us and they're like, with whatever issues they got going on, and we, as men, immediately want to provide a solution. And it's like, man, I don't need a solution from you. I just need you to listen. Um, so we we have to set the example. We have to be the example, um, mm-hmm. especially as fathers, yep. um, as brothers, um, cousins, any you know, whatever family relation, friendship. But more specifically, as fathers, we we are setting the example, mm-hmm. um, and it that's what it comes down to is we have to set this new generation of men up for success by showing them by example that it is okay to not be okay. Okay. Holy shit. <laughs> Appreciate that KD, man. Boy, boy, boy. My man. You shocked it. You man, you took me to all over the country with your your experiences and your journeys and everything else, man. I'm Man, I'm 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 super honored and blessed to be in your presence right now, and I'm 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 blessed that you're on this podcast sharing your story, and listeners. I hope you made it this far because this is a damn damn good episode, and my God, I don't know what I'm I'm speechless because I'm just sitting here let just listening. Yeah, you sharing your stories and stuff like that, but uh, man, you're you're. Man, you're you're incredible, bro. I like you're incredible. You you fought you fought the dragon, and you 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 defend your you defend your honor of who you who you was as a man. And you were like, man, you know what? Fuck that! I'm killing this dragon because I'm not gonna let this dragon kill me. And you overcame that shit, and now you're the awesome KD trying to help the community. Very very. Uh, inspiring, motivation, and damn near passionate person that I met, 
And man, I'm I'm honored to be in your presence, man. And you are doing damn good, great things for yourself, for your f- family, and just for the community and, and law enforcement and you as a person. And I, I appreciate you, and I love you, bro. I love you, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, no problem, no this problem. Is an experience, and I, I had a great time. Oh yeah, so I'm about to. I know I gotta set up my little, my little uh, background music and stuff to finish it out. <laughs> Yo, man. Listeners, man, y'all here. This, let me see. Yeah, there you go. Okay, listeners, I hope you made it here this far. Oh, and I'm I'm thankful for you and everything that y'all do. I'm honored to that you listen to the podcast, and I'm honored that you gave me your ears to take the time to listen. And I hope you got something insightful in this episode because this episode was really really passionate really really emotional really really just everything if you can see my face right now my face would have been freaking like holy crap but it, it was in a good way because i'm like damn this is powerful shit and my boy kd man i appreciate you for sharing sharing your message sharing your stories and just being real and honest with yourself and i'm, I'm thankful for me to be even sit here and giving my ears to listen to you and that's all we need that's all we need as men we need somebody to sit down and just listen and not say no extra stuff or give us a solution or tell us to stop being a bitch or being a man or whatever just we just need somebody to listen and say hey man i'm fucked up and i got a problem and we i just need somebody to talk to or i need a hug some mm-hmm. or I'm like let's go to the gym do something yep we just need that's all we need that's all we need but until then, peace, love, and positivity. And also, uh, if you find on this episode, try to give a, a review or a comment so I can comment and message everybody and, and rate this podcast so I can move up in the world. But whatever. It's one thing at a time. But until then, peace, love, and positivity, and we out. One love.